Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10 a.m. on 3CR Community Radio, 855 a.m. on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 161st program of Think Again. Think Again is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation working for social change for over 25 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're wondering out loud why we're lockstepping, sorry, lockstepping with the US on its ongoing warmongering path. And we're unpicking some of the US propaganda, which our mainstream media seems to passively accept holus bolus. Yeah, we wanted to talk about peace too. But the war noises are becoming so loud that we're rather anxiously examining the quagmire of complications and implications we seem to be sinking into. So we'll reflect on how this mess came about, what it looks like and what it may mean for peace work. Mm. 77 years ago, in August 1945, the Second World War was about over, with Germany defeated and Japan on its knees, calling for armistice meetings. Regardless, the US dropped atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki on the 6th and the 9th of August 1945. The US's atomic bombs destroyed two large cities, killed hundreds of thousands of residents, poisoned thousands more and rendered large areas of Japan uninhabitable for a long time. Mm. And we know from the testament of survivors, Jacques, that they endured enormous suffering Mm. and many watched others perish in agony. In fact, we just heard one of those stories on the previous program, Left After Breakfast. That's right, yeah. These atomic bombs on Japan started a race to the bottom enabling humans to kill all of humankind over 60 times Mm. with the available arsenals of nuclear weapons. And much of our own lives have been running parallel to this story. I've been living through all four decades of the Cold War, its nuclear standoffs and deterrence strategies between the US and the USSR. There also were lots of so-called proxy wars between nations believed to be in either the US or the USSR's camps. These wars were rather hot and not so cold and real for the millions of people dying and being displaced. Talking about Korea, Vietnam, former colonial countries in, in Asia or Africa, with many in the peace movements, we certainly welcomed, therefore, the putative end of that so-called Cold War with the USSR during the late 80s and early 90s. And the symbolism of the Berlin Wall falling, the reunification of East and West Germany, the dissolution of the Warsaw Pact. Mm, The Warsaw Pact, Jacques. So Mm -hmm. that's the defence treaty between the Soviet Union and seven other Eastern Bloc socialist republics. Mm -hmm. So a a military alliance, similar to NATO as... 
uh, with NATO being the military alliance between the US and certain Western European countries. Yeah. So we had the, the dissolution of the Warsaw Pact on the one hand in the late 80s and early 90s, and there were discussions between the USSR, Russia, and the US about nuclear disarmament. Yeah. And all of this was looking promising for a possible peace. Mm. There were, of course, moments of doubt already then. First, there was the capitalist takeover of the economic infrastructure of the former USSR-associated countries and the capitalist takeover of Russia itself by global corporate powers and oligarchs. Mm. We saw the ineffectiveness of the established processes of the United Nations as the main powers who were controlling and still are controlling the Security Council refusing to abide by its decisions mm. and by the decisions of the General Assembly, eventually all leading into a new war, the war against terrorism. Mm, which, of course, intensified after the attacks mm -hmm. on the New York World Trade Towers in 2001. That's right, yeah. The, yeah. the, the war on terror really took off after That's that. That's right. The so-called war against terrorism continued to justify militarization with several illegal invasions and the destruction of social, ecological and material infrastructures in North Africa and mm. in the Middle East. Yeah, so much devastation and, and also costing millions of lives in those places. Absolutely. Millions of lives. Yeah. Uh, weapons, meanwhile, the production of weapons and the trade of weapons continued to grow mm -hmm. overwhelmingly benefiting, and that is in quotation marks, benefiting the West and especially the military-industrial complex in the US. Yeah, involving huge profits for industries producing military arms and military hardware. Yeah, that's right. And almost behind our backs, NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which had not been disbanded at the end of the Cold War, gradually grew from 15 to 30 members mostly with countries previously associated with the USSR. NATO now encircles the entire western border of Russia. Mm. And the US had already been poking the Chinese beer, as we know. But when Ukraine was approached by US political and military hawks to also invite them to join NATO, Russia's red line, as set by Putin, was crossed and an other beer was booked. Yeah, and Jacques, I don't think it's accidental um, mm. that, that those either of those bears have been poked. No, certainly not. Meanwhile, 13,000 nuclear missile, missiles are still around, mostly with the US and Russia, but also with the UK and France, which is similar to the time of the Cold War standoff 70 years ago, before the dis dissolution of the USSR in the late 80s. Yeah, so 13,000 nuclear mm. missiles mm -hmm. are still around, you say. That's right. And, of course, now nuclear missiles are in other countries, which you didn't mention. Of course, there's China, but also Israel, India, Pakistan, and possibly North Korea. That's right. So, once again, peacekeeping and nuclear disarmament should be the order of the day, shouldn't it? Yeah. But no, our mainstream media have been at it again acting as uncritical cheerleaders for the US and its military world dominance, and with Australia supposed to meekly follow the US's ongoing war and global dominance 
yeah. ambitions. And Jacques, our media are saturated with stories of a provocative China that must be kept in check by the US, mm-hmm. uh, 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 the US being our supposed um, <laughs> knight in shining yeah. armour, I guess. Mm. Uh, and there's no real critique of this US narrative, not on the ABC, our government station, not mm. in the sometimes or once more balanced age, and obviously not in any of Murdoch's, I think you refer to as cesspit <laughs> press, Jacques, <laughs> I didn't say that. It is. So for peace's sake... We thought we'd step into the breach once more and offer some balance. Yeah, what, what is, is 3CR4 <laughs> after all? <laughs> That's right. So we're drawing from alternative news sources, including John Menadue's Pearls and Irritations and the Peace Movements. Yeah. So an obvious starting point for critique for us, obviously, is Nancy Pelosi's commentary piece in The Age on the 4th of August. We did look for counter-opinions in the same or following editions of The Age, but alas, there were none. <laughs> um, mm. As most would have heard, Nancy Pelosi is a Speaker of the US House of Representatives. And last week she visited Taiwan and made some pretty provocative public comments, evidently touching a Chinese nerve. So, And her own president was uncomfortable, and leaders in the region openly wondered why she was poking that bear quite unnecessarily. Mm. So her um, Pelosi's piece in The Age was titled America Must Stand with Taiwan. And it started with, quote, I've travelled to this island of resilience to show support for its democracy, which is under threat, mm. unquote, which is her argument, of course. In fact, in some form, the word democracy appears at least 12 times in her commentary And it's not a very long commentary either, really. So Mm. let's take a closer look at this and other things she said. So over to you, Jacques. Mm. (laughs) Pelosi says the world faces a stark choice between autocracy and democracy, Mm. extending her China critique to Russia and its Ukraine invasion. While we hear so much about the very real abuses by by Chinese and Russian regimes, how does democratic U.S. stack up? Mm, And that's the question. Mm -hmm. In a former, if the former are the bad guys, does that mean that the U.S. is the good guy? Mm. And is U.S.-style democracy a beacon for the rest of the world? And John Menadieu from uh, Pearls and Irritations, he responds to this idea, and I quote, It is a myth that democracies like America will behave internationally at a higher level of morality. Countries act in their own interests as they perceive them. The U.S.'s claims about how well they run their own country are challenged on so many fronts. Alongside great wealth and privilege, over 40 million U.S. citizens live in poverty. They have a massive prison population. More than 2 million U.S. citizens are in jail with its indelible racist connotations. Mm -hmm. Guns are ubiquitous and they refuse to address the issue. Violence is as American as cherry pie. It is embedded in U.S. behavior both at home and abroad, end of quote. Mm -hmm. So that's quite... Powerful. Mm. Mm. <laughs> the idea of uh, also, Jacques, the idea of one person, one vote underpinning US democracy is a complete fallacy. 
given the influence of money, media and vested interests on who gets to have power, mm-hmm. let alone influence on elections. So Menadou suggests that US democracy has been replaced by, his word, donocracy, which is great, as there are no real restrictions on funding of elections and political lobbying. That's right, and it is operated by what I and others call a particracy, <laughs> just as in Australia, rather than by the people meaningfully contributing to decision and meaning-making. Yeah, so by particracy, Jacques, I'm getting, we're getting a lot of words here. We're talking about dominance of the main parties, of mm-hmm. course. So, so I guess we're saying mm-hmm. the US is a donocracy, a particracy, as well as a plutocracy, right. but definitely not a democracy. Demo- exactly. <laughs> Everything but. Uh, electorates are gerrymandered. Yeah, so... Gerrymandering, so that's electoral boundaries that's right. uh, are redrawn by those in power to keep themselves in power. That's right. yeah. Poor and minority group voters are often excluded from uh, electoral rolls. The Supreme Court is stacked, and the media is dominated by Fox News and Murdoch, mm. peddling American extremism and imperialism. And aren't we Australians saturated with the U.S. narrative, somehow occupying the higher moral ground? Mm. U.S. money actually funds several institutes peddling this narrative here in Australia. Mm. And how often do we see the U.S. undermining democracies um, abroad and instead supporting autocracies when those autocracies work better in the U.S.'s interests. Mm-hmm. Think yeah. countries in uh, Latin America, the Middle East and North Africa. Yeah, and we will continue with that point after the break. In the meantime, we'll go to some music. Alien Invasion by Archie Roach. We were swimming in the sea
and DigiChew, people, place, language. Connecting stories, culture and language across Australia. Contribute your content in digitube.com.au. Sign up for a free account and select your options for streaming, download and broadcast promotion. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming life at 3cr.org.au. Today we're questioning why we're joining with the US on its warmongering path and we're unpicking some of the US propaganda that dominates our local media. Specifically, we're looking at a commentary piece by Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the US House of Representatives. So, a second instance of in her comments uh, in the age. She suge- suggested that China is the main aggressor, making war noises and threatening world peace. She specifically refers to Beijing's accelerating aggression about Taiwan, upholding the US as a defender of what is right and good. So in the interest of balance again, let's look at what the US has actually been doing. Mm-hmm. Like Australian Hugh White in his recent quarterly essay, Sleepwalk to War, John Menadieu suggests that the US is the most aggressive and violent country in the world. And he backs it up with some cold facts. I quote, The US has never had a decade without war. Since its founding in 1776, the US has been at war 93% of that time. These wars have extended from its own hemisphere to the Pacific, to Europe, and most recently to the Middle East. The U.S. has launched 201 out of 248 armed conflicts since the end of World War II. The U.S. maintains 800 military bases or sites around the world, including seven or eight of those in Australia. The U.S. has in our region a massive deployment of hardware and troops in Japan, the Republic of Korea and Guam. China has eight around its own coast and one offshore naval base in Djibouti, in the Horn of Africa, Mm. primarily there to combat pirates. Yeah, that's quite incredible. So Mm -hmm. the U.S. maintains 800 military bases or sites around the world. That's right. China has eight around its own coast, Mm -hmm. and beside that, only one offshore. (laughs) That's right. So 800 compared to either one or nine, Mm. depending which way you look at it. That's right. And there's a really, really brutal example. The U.S. has built an enormous air force and naval base on Diego Garcia, the island Diego Garcia in the Indian Ocean. The U.S. base became fully operational in 1968, and now has over 5,000 U.S. service personnel and, and contractors. It was used as a base for attacks on Afghanistan and Iraq. It is used for bomber training missions over the South China Sea and for rendition flights. And between 2017 and 2019, the UN General Assembly and the International Court of Justice declared all aspects of this occupation mm-hmm. illegal. Mm-hmm. When it was brought to the vote, only the US, UK, Australia, Hungary, Israel and the Maldives voted in favour of the British neo-colonial claim 
over the island of Diogo Garcia, which really belongs to Mauritius, and its use by the US mm. as a military base. <coughs> yeah, so so much for Nancy Pelosi's facile, mm-hmm. if not deceitful, comments in the That's age. Right. Mm. Positioning the US as a defender of mm. democracy and defender of peace. And I think, Shark, uh, mm. the people on that island you were just speaking about, mm. they were uh, forcibly removed. Totally, in the early by, by the UK 60s. In, the twi- in the 1960s. Yeah. So now let's look at Pelosi's focus on China's disregard for the rule of law. We've heard a lot of that phrase. Mm-hmm. How does the US stack up in that regard? Well, to answer, <laughs> that, let's, let's turn again to John Menadou. He points out that the US only follows an international rules-based order when it suits its own interests, cherry-picking what best suits it at the time. Examples include its refusal to endorse the what's called UNCLOS, which is the International Law of the Sea. Mm-hmm. So it refuses to endorse the Law of the Sea in the South China Sea, and it refuses to endorse other UN decisions. So speaking of Iraq, uh, John Menadou says, the invasion of Iraq was a classic case of breaking the rules. It was illegal. The resultant death and destruction in Iraq met the criteria for war crimes, but the culprits have got off scot-free. I guess, Jacques, that's because mm. they're the good guys. That's right, yeah. And thinking about international rules, we should not forget that the rules-based international order was largely set up after World War II, favouring the dominance of the US and other colonial powers at the time. As Menadieu points out, this order, and I quote, does not recognise the legitimate interests of such newly emerging countries as China, which now insist on playing a part in an international rule-based order, mm, unquote. Yeah. So, so much for the US's requirement that others respect the international rules-based mm-hmm. order. On any objective measure, the US is a warmongering nation and has been from its beginning. So the question for us is, why is Australia interlocking its foreign policy directions with the US? And why are we blocking off future escape routes by integrating our defence hardware, if not operations, with that of the US? Yeah, indeed. The Australian-US ministerial consultations made a joint statement in September 2021 that was under the the former government. And that includes that our government, the Australian government, will permit, and I quote, the rotational deployment of U.S. aircraft of all types in Australia and appropriate aircraft training and exercises. It will facilitate increasing logistics and sustainment capabilities of U.S. surface and subsurface vessels in Australia and establish a combined logistics, sustainment and maintenance enterprise to support high-end warfighting and combined military operations in the region, yeah, so unquote. I, yeah, so I, I guess a brief way of saying it, so in Australia we'll have US aircraft, US training and exercises, increasing capabilities for US vessels below or above Australian waters, and we'll join with the US to support military operations and war fighting in the region. Yep, 
that this is Australia's accession as the 51st state of the United States. Done without a vote or serious debate, highlighting our loss of democracy. Mm. We have effectively surrendered our right to say what kinds of military platforms and weapons can be brought into or stationed in our territory. Yeah, and... So that all of this can slide past the keeper, we have our dominant propaganda about the US being the good guys, which, as we say, fails all objective measures. Yeah, and settled, settled with that arrangement between the Australian and the US military, the new Defence Minister Miles confirmed that the US, Australia and Britain are moving from what they call interoperability to interchangeability in defence hardware. Mm, So I'm going to say that phrase again, interchangeability in defence hardware. So that's with the US. Mm. It sounds very ominous and alarming, and it is. And this is what uh, Clinton Fernandes, who's a professor at the University of New South Wales, this is what he says. Quote, It's obvious the real policy is to subsidise the US Navy's submarine budget. Some will be located in Australia with Australian flags and personnel, but they're essentially US boats operated in the US's great power interests. We're paying for them to set up part of their current and future fleet in Australia, unquote. And that was reported by Brian Tui in the Saturday paper on the 6th of August. So where does that leave peace? If as a nation we are joined at the hip with warmongers and having a long tradition of denying our own role in so many internal and external wars, why don't we also learn here from the Uluru Statement and the Makarata message as proposed by First Nation Australians? First Nations Australians. And I quote, Makarata being the people coming together after a struggle, together striving for a sovereignty based on healing and reciprocity rather than on military operations. Now, that would be a contribution worthy of our false claims of superiority. And not enough to justify such claims, of course. And on to our community announcements. We'll talk more about peace next week. Uh, Today, we're asking listeners to support an urgent peace initiative. A number of peace, community, environment and faith organisations are planning to place an advertisement in a national newspaper calling on the government not to involve Australia in a war with China over Taiwan. Um, And it's asking um, the government to sign the UN Treaty to Prohibit Nuclear Weapons and to direct public spending away from AUKUS war preparations toward urgent social and environmental needs. So to sign and donate to this crucial peace effort, go to https colon forward slash forward slash antiaukuscoalition.org. We'll put that link on our program page anyway. Mm. Mm-hmm. And for other people uh, who want to have a bit of a, a bit more information about peace, uh, the new community which is about to appear is a peace issue. 
So thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio and supporting our program. If you want to send us a message, please email Borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programs are available on podcast and the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, please enjoy Let's Love Rule by Archie Roach. overcomes us and we cannot find our way although we keep on searching for the light of day and we hear the children crying and we don't know what to do gotta hold on to each other and love See us through Let love Let it guide us through the night That we may stay together And keep our spirits calm Only fools Will shine the morning light will keep us safe from harm You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.